robots. Transform and roll out. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I'm Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Very happy right now to be joined by Austin Scher from the Danville Otterbots. Austin, thank you so much for, for joining me. This story has been such a hit during the offseason, right? Like, this has been such a blast to follow the Otterbots and, and this, this brand with this awesome story behind it. So just first, let me just start by saying thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for for having me. And um, on a personal level, thank you so much for for being our official ambassador uh, from the state of Colorado, uh, supporting us. I, I love that that you're repping the brand on a T-shirt right now. I mean, this is this is just beautiful so far. I was so thrilled to be able to, to jump in and grab that that Colorado ambassadorship, right? Because I know that there's been folks who have been like, "Hey, I want to be the ambassador from such and such," and it's like, "Ah, we already got Maryland. We already got Idaho." We so so let's start with that. We'll get into the actual like meaning behind the brand here in a minute. But this was a pretty brilliant campaign that you had to have one ambassador, and then in some cases, more than one ambassador from every state in the union, plus some foreign countries, I believe, and some territories. Yes. So you have ambassadors all over the country representing the Danville Otterbots against the, the dastardly Burlington sock puppets, of course. <laughs> Um, but this idea to have, you know, sort of folks on Twitter take up the cause of, of the Danville Otterbots, uh, you know, in your, in your first season here, where did that idea come from? Yeah. So, um, (laughs) it was, it it was a, a creation, uh, that took a few beers to get to. Um, so when, when we came into Danville last January, January of 2021, uh, we were initially told by the previous uh, organization that was here that we would be able to kind of take over their social accounts and just change the names. We know we'd, we'd lose the check marks, but that's okay. Um, and then about a week into my living in Danville, working out of the ballpark, we found out that that was not the case. So we had to start from scratch as a new organization with new social channels. And at the time we were Danville Baseball Club and our Twitter handle was just Danville Bases. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was sitting in my apartment one night, I believe it was a Saturday, probably had some basketball on in the background um, and somebody tweeted at us from Denmark. Like, oh my gosh, this is like, I, we, we made some, you know, corny joke and, and they loved it. Um, and then I just was, was on my laptop and fired back. Would you like to be our official ambassador to the country of Denmark? Um, <laughs> and the answer was yes. And then somebody, and, and I wish I could remember who said, well, do you have an ambassador from the state of whatever state they were from? Mm-hmm. And then I immediately was just like, oh, oh, this is, this is gold. Uh, so we, we started pushing out the, the campaign. Hey, first come first serve uh, from all 50 states. And then it became pretty apparent that the, the states that became, you know, kind of the, the biggest hotbeds for us had more than one person. So we expanded from just ambassador to vice ambassador. Uh, <laughs> and in some states, uh, the speaker of the house of ambassadors, um, nice. you know, and just like the, the government, if in any circumstance, the ambassador or vice ambassador cannot perform their duties. Well, who steps in as ambassador? It's the speaker. It's the speaker of the House of Ambassadors. So Mm -hmm. um, what started as a a joke on Twitter uh, turned into arguably the coolest thing that that we did over the calendar year of, of 2021. Well, and it was really fun, right? We had a Zoom meeting where as many of the ambassadors who could make it came on and, and, you know, we got to sort of meet one another. And I know that there's become the sort of Twitter community 
of the ambassadors. And you've actually offered a, a pretty nice incentive for people to be ambassadors if they can get to Danville. Yes, yes. So be, beyond that Zoom meeting, and and uh, for any ambassadors listening, we're gonna we're gonna have another couple here uh, leading up to the 2022 season. So stay tuned uh, to your Twitter inboxes for for those. Um, but we we also did a uh, ambassador discount code uh, for all of our merchandise. So. Uh, you know, it's it's never a good idea to to discount a new brand, right? Like people are going to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the least that I could do to to give uh, a little bit of something back to the people that had supported us before we were, you know, ever the Otterbots. We were literally just Danville Baseball Club, uh, you know, firing away some silly, goofy tweets every couple hours. Um, right. So uh, yeah. So this this year, um, we have a few ambassadors that have already reached out. Last year, uh, Tim Stoops, our ambassador to the state of Montana, was the the first. Uh, to, to make the trek to Danville. Um, I think it was like 3,200 miles uh, is the distance. Um, and the, the offer that we put together for him stands for all ambassadors. When you come to the game, we've got your first ticket on us. We've got a ceremonial first pitch uh, that, that will kick off the game. We've got a Jesse Jones hot dog, which is our official ballpark hot dog, a Danville original, the original red hot dog. Um, and then we've got a plethora of local beer selections. So we've got a couple sours. We've got a couple IPAs. We've got a couple things in the works. Wink, wink for this season. Um, but yeah, so we, we are, are giving you the full Danville treatment. Um, and then we've also got uh, a couple of our hotel partners uh, that have put together some preferred rates for, for folks that are coming in to support the Otterbots, whether those be ambassadors, uh, players, uh, you know, family members, um, or just other people around the country uh, who are excited to, to come see uh, not just the Otterbots, but everything Danville has going on. All right. Well, you know, I, I hope to take advantage of that myself someday as, as official Colorado ambassador. You know, I, I get out there and I, I tweet out when the Otterbots have stuff going on. And I do have to admit, I realize that this rivalry exists with the Sock Puppets. I happen to love the Sock Puppets at well, as well. And their their Dan Simon logo. And, you know, so you guys obviously have the, you definitely have the wackiest logos in the new Appalachian League. And you sort of referenced the Appalachian League, which had 10 teams, all of whom were named for their parent clubs. When the Major League Baseball Vogon Destructor Fleet came through and reorganized all of the minors, the Appalachian League became essentially a partner league, a collegiate summer level partner league. One of the offshoots of that was the teams couldn't be named for their parent clubs anymore because they didn't have parent clubs anymore. <laughs> I, it's, it's, my, it's my, you know, firm, often stated belief that minor league baseball teams should have unique nicknames that they should represent their communities. So before we get into the specifics of what this Otterbots brand means, can you talk about the, the advantages in your mind, or if you disagree with me, then the disadvantages of not being named for your parent club anymore and having this, this unique nickname that is reflective of the community? Yeah. So I, I think um, before I say anything else that all 10 teams in the Appalachian league did a phenomenal job uh, in their rebrand process. Um, obviously we were the last uh, to, to come up with the, the brand. We, uh, like I mentioned, didn't have a chance to come into the market until January. Most other teams had already formulated their name color scheme logo at that point, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you've got teams like uh, you know, the, the state liners, 
uh, and the Doughboys, who are, are direct ties to historical pieces uh, or uh, you know common grounds within their communities. Um, you've got a team like the Whistle Pigs, who, like us, kind of went character-driven um, with a, a focus on a, a commonly known animal in that area. And and I really do, uh, you know, outside of of Burlington and and us, who have, as you've mentioned, we have a pretty close and unique relationship with them. Um, the other eight teams, I think, did did a bang up job. So uh, it's been really really cool to just be a part of the league as a whole um, and kind of have this unified front where, yes, we are no longer affiliated, but we also are the only league that stayed together under the the old name, right? Like all the affiliated leagues changed names, they changed Mm -hmm. levels, they changed affiliates. The Appalachian League is still the same 10 cities, the same 10 fan bases, the same 10 ballparks. And we were able to keep that Appalachian League name mm-hmm. uh, above all of us, which was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, the the Sock Puppets, um, I, I selfishly am also a big fan of it. Like, I, I have a couple hats. I have a couple T-shirts. I, I love those guys. Um, being 45 minutes away from us creates a, a really cool opportunity for not just an online rivalry, but an on-the-field rivalry, sure. um, a, a front office friendship that – projects as a rivalry publicly um but yeah it's it's been really really cool and um i you know having having been so many places over the course of my career um i've been fortunate to have been with some iconic brands uh you know the the madison mallards uh the daytona tortugas the greensboro grasshoppers um you know the the grasshoppers i think are the the best example of yeah it's a cool logo and and it's a great you know alliteration tie with the gg Mm-hmm. But they're not named after the insect. They're named after the grasshopper cannon that was famously used at the Battle of Guilford Courthouse, which took place in Greensboro. So on their concourse is a exact model of a grasshopper cannon. And most people that when they walk through those gates, they don't know that story. They're like, why is there this cannon sitting right inside the gates? Um, but when you look at, you know, now going on 20 years of success for that organization, um, 20 years of a, of a beautiful ballpark in a burgeoning city and, and you know, uh, another one that's about 45 minutes away from, from us here in Danville, it's really, really cool to see, uh, you know, exactly what you mentioned teams that yes have ingrained relationships with their their parent club but have their own unique identity um as a kid from durham north carolina who grew up going to to durham bowls games um you know they have now going on a 30-year relationship with the tampa bay rays they they rebrand they they have great kind of back and forth logos the the ray coming through the d a la the bull jumping through the d of their primary logo um but you know, for for thirty years they've been a Rays affiliate. But as a kid from Durham, I'm not a Rays fan. I'm a Bulls fan, uh, and and it's a really really cool opportunity that we now have to provide that same you know kind of chance for for the kids uh, and even adults of Danville to now have their own team and their own identity that they can connect to. Well, first of all, I have to say I don't think anyone who tuned into this podcast thought they were going to get the story of the Greensboro Grasshoppers before they got the story <laughs> of the Dansville Otterbots. <laughs> the Durham Bulls, by the way, one of my favorite things about them is in two thousand. I'm sorry, in 1902 when they were formed, they were the Durham Tobacconists, which I just I I think is just the like the most hilarious name that wouldn't in a million years fly now, but you know was hilarious is hilarious in retrospect. All right, so so. I do want to say about the the Appalachian League, all ten teams. You said they did uh, they did a terrific job, and I I agree with that, right? Like the on the whole, the leagues rebrands. I loved seeing all of these names sort of come out rapid fire like that, and then obviously yours was a little bit later. But to see these, you know, ten communities all get 
this gift of a minor league baseball team that related to them was, was really fun to watch, even though it was sort of inspired by, you know, some, some machinations within baseball. That was great to watch. And I, you know, I agree with you that, that on the whole, the logos were all really good. I think that it was sort of a study in watching how some teams the like, there's this sort of intentionality about, we're going to do something hyper-local and we're not going to try to do the wacky thing that sells merchandise to 50 states, which is a very valid decision, right? Like totally valid decision. Like the Flyboys have a terrific logo, right? Um, I don't know that it's necessarily one that's going to end up on the cover of Sports Illustrated or anything, but it's, you know, yep. it's a terrific, terrific logo. So to see that and then to see, I mean, I think that the Otterbots and the Sock Puppets in particular are the two that we're pretty intentional about. We're going to do something different. We're going to do something that catches people's attention. And, you know, I think part of that rivalry, it's not just the physical distance, right? But it's also, and, you know, the relationship from the, in the front office, but also the fact that those are the two that very clearly took this direction of, we're going to create something that catches people's attention and still tells a story that's local and, and important to the community, but is more intentional about getting a, a, a wider scope of, of attention out there. Yeah. So we've been talking now for what, like 15 minutes. <laughs> so let's get to what the heck does this robot otter mean? Where, why is a robot otter with glowing red eyes, but an adorable little robot face? Why, what does that mean to the city of Danville? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, first real quick, uh, fun tie-in uh, the first professional baseball team that Danville ever had 1905 was also the tobacconists uh, <laughs> no and, and and uh, you know the the physical distance aside Durham's about an hour south um, they these cities have a wildly ingrained similar history uh, tobacco textiles trains so brightleaf tobacco was was a Danville product. There were, you know, auction houses and and farms and and you know trains that would go back and forth. Well, the downtown district that's about five minutes away, walking distance from the Bulls ballpark, is called Brightleaf Square, uh, and the Brightleaf tobacco from Danville would travel down to Durham to be sold in North Carolina. So the tobacconist's name, uh, Durham was first. They they beat us by three years, uh, but in 1905 the Danville tobacconists were the first professional team that, that Danville had as well. Uh, obviously the thinkers, uh, you know, at the turn of the century were far less creative than we are today. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but so, so going, going back to the, the, the Otterbots moniker, um, we, we took a different approach than a lot of the teams in the Appalachian league. And, and I'm not saying it's better or worse. It was just different. Um, myself being from Durham, uh, the the Piedmont region is the same. So the climate, the roads, the buildings, everything is is second nature to me um, in terms of cityscape. But I'm not from Danville. Uh, our owners are not from Danville. They they live in North Carolina. They're familiar with the Piedmont region. But if we tried to come up with a team name internally between between our small group of of who started this this club, we would have missed. Um, it might have sold some merchandise. It might have picked up some national attention, but it would not have represented the community. 
So what we did uh, immediately uh, before I actually ever moved to Danville was talk to as many members of city council past and present as possible, um, as many longtime fans as possible, uh, people that had, you know, stake in, in the, the former clubs here, uh, people that have spent their entire lives in Danville to try to get a, a sense for, hey, what direction do we need to take this thing in? And ultimately we came up with a, a laundry list of themes, right? Like does Danville have any food that is specific to the area? Are there animals that are specific to the area? Are, are there urban legends or tales or, or important historical facts? Um, and then once we had that kind of baseline set, we then opened up to a two week name the team contest um, where we had submissions come in from folks within the region and folks that we had picked up as, as friends and followers across social media from, from around the country. And we ended up having about 1200 total submissions. Um, I, I hope that this does not offend anybody that is listening to this. Um, we did not consider the names that were submitted without a local area code or zip code. Um, it was awesome to see that people were so, you know, enthralled with the process. But again, we wanted this to be locally significant. So after we kind of trimmed those out, we looked through and again, common themes, that's what we were looking for. So catfish and otters were the two big animals that we saw. And we're about an hour and 15 minutes from the Carolina Mudcats. Um, the biggest Dan catfish competition uh, is a fishing contest held in Danville. And for a long time, the world record blue catfish was caught in the Dan River. Um, so that was an intriguing option, but we wanted to break the mold and we certainly didn't want our friends with the Mudcats to think, oh, they're trying to steal our shine. So we, we really honed in on otters for two reasons. One, they are cute and cuddly and lent to a, a fun, friendly mascot concept that we ended up running with. And two, they are very communal in nature. Uh, the, the coolest fact about, about river otters specifically is that they hold hands while they sleep so that they don't drift apart. And I'll get to our alternate logo in a second here, but that was something that was really important to us as we, we had heard through those conversations that there's a lot of division that, that has kind of uh, painted the course of history in Danville political division, uh, city county division, state line division, we're right on the North Carolina border, um, uh, you know, uh, racial divisions that uh, thankfully are, are, you know, all but gone right now. But if you look back the the history of Bloody Monday and, and Dr. King's visits here, um, that that was a real piece of our of our history. Um, and we wanted to be that unifying force where we know that even if you don't look like talk like sound like uh, worship at the same place, uh, have the same hometown as the person sitting next to you in the stands, if our leadoff batter hits a home run, you're going to stand up and cheer and high five that person no matter what. And we wanted to be that unifying force. And we saw that opportunity in otters. So then we look to, okay, what are other themes that we saw? And there were a lot of historical calls, right? So after the tobacconist, the Danville Leafs were here. So obviously as a tobacco town, there were a lot of references to tobacco. Tobacco is still the number one cash crop in our, our county and, and region, but it is is not as, as prominent as it used to be. Did we want to look back or did we want to look forward? There were a lot of references to the wreck of the old 97, the, the train crash that, that sparked the Johnny Cash ballad, uh, the ballad of the, the old 97. And again, the, the, the tie that I use here is, is if the Detroit Tigers rebranded as the Detroit Edmund Fitzgeralds. Like this was a tragedy that took people's lives, right? Just because somebody wrote a hit song about it, does it, does it lend itself to a baseball team name? Um, my opinion was no. So we, we knew that the, the callbacks to history were there, but we also saw this 
this overwhelming popularity of the STEM education and workforce that is flooding into to not just Anvil, but all of Southern Virginia. And BattleBots came up more than once in that Name the Team contest. Obviously, TLC still has the trademark from that great TV show in, in the mid-2000s. But we took that concept and mixed it with otters, came up with otter bots. Uh, we were concerned at first about, oh, is this too Transformers-y? Um, and then we actually ended up using that to our advantage. Uh, Dave Wells, the sports anchor for, for the ABC affiliate here, uh, he recorded a voiceover for us that goes, otter bots, roll out. And that is what we play over the PA system as the team takes the field at the top of the first inning. So um, once we once we came up with the OtterBots name, that's when we really went back to the design table um, and tried to tie in as many additional elements that we saw in those those submissions as possible. So the the eyes of the otter you mentioned and the buttons down its chest um, is an exact color match to a sign that is plastered on a wall in downtown Danville that says home. It's a big neon sign. It used to sit above the Dan River Fabrics manufacturing plant and it used to say home of Dan River Fabrics. Tornado comes through, tears the sign down. The Historical Society salvaged the H-O-M-E. We saw home boys, home slices, home bodies as name the team you know, suggestions. We knew that we wanted to tie that home sign in. So the colors of the eyes and, and the buttons did that. The blue that we see is, is a unique blue. Uh, no other team is using our exact hex uh, uh, or exact hex of, of blue. Um, it is a tie to the river, right? The, the reason that the city exists, the reason that tobacco and textiles thrived in this area was because of the life created by the Dan River. So we wanted that blue to be prominent. If you look across the primary logo, the, the rings of water that the otter is popping out of are supposed to be a homage to the the lights of, of race cars. Um, there's a rich motorsports history here, Martinsville Speedway, South Boston Speedway, Virginia International Raceway, Wendell Scott, the first African-American driver to win a race at, at NASCAR's Grand Prix level um, are all you know local ties. So we wanted that, that ring of water to kind of look like the lights that you would see during a night race uh, at, at one of these uh, race things or, or race events. Um, the, the other big one here, and then I'll, I'll shut my mouth for a second, um, is the, the neon pop of the type font that we used. Caesars Casino is, is currently under construction here in Danville. And that was another big one that we saw. Um, the, the gold diggers, the golden gamblers, the river city gamblers were all names that we saw come through. Um, and we wanted to, again, be unique that we are a baseball team. We're not a casino, even though there is one coming into town. But when you walk through the doors of any casino, that neon of the slot machines and, and you know above the craps table, that pops at you. So that type font around the OtterBots in our primary logo is supposed to be a tie back with that, that neon. And I lied to you, the very last thing that I'll say, our alternate logo is two otters laying on their backs in the water, holding a baseball together. That is that community first mindset where otters hold hands while they sleep, ours hold a baseball together. Um, and that really does kind of bring everything back together where we, I've lost track of the amount of, of specific references that we used when creating this brand from the name to the logo, to the colors, to the type font, to everything else. But that unifying force of it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how long you've been here. If you love baseball, if you hate baseball, there will always be something for you at the ballpark from the OtterBots. And that alternate logo is, is really the, the visual depiction of that for us. I have a habit on this, on this podcast of asking really long questions. 
And so I appreciate that you sort of took the baton there and ran with that for a while because, you know, I, I was hoping to, to unearth all of that through a series of questions. And so I just, I actually just went and sort of made a sandwich for a little bit and came back and beat <laughs> up my coffee. And <laughs> no, uh, seriously though, I mean, all, all of those details are fantastic, right? Like, and that's, it's so, and this is something that graphic designers face a lot or visual communicators of any sort, basically, when you have that sort of those hyper specific references to you know the color that comes from a, a specific neon sign or the specific blue you know the, the rings of water you know without i think without you explaining those rings of water reference racetrack shapes that sort of thing it gives us it gives a lot of extra meaning to the the logo itself some of it obviously requires a certain amount of explanation. I mean, not all of that's going to come through, but it does create a, a level of meaning that, uh, you know, that just sort of deepens the the interpretation of, of this logo and this brand. Do you find yourself having to explain a lot of that? Like how much of that? I mean, I think, I think that the idea of the, see, this is one of my long questions here. The idea of the river otter representing the nature and a specific local animal and then the sort of robot nature of it representing sort of looking ahead and the importance of STEM education in Danville. Those two things, right? Like they're the, they're the sort of core of what this brand means. But then all those extra details with the casino and the history of racing and, you know, the, the home sign, all of that, you know, those are these, these really like nitty gritty levels of details that I think are so important to this brand. How much of that do you think the community understands about the brand? So uh, now that we've been around for a year, the amount of explanation that I have to do is next to nothing. Oh, good. That said, that was, that was the conversation that I had most repetitively, uh, you know, through probably halfway through our, our first season last year. Um, yeah. You know, it was constant questions. And um, to be expected, especially in this day and age of, of these rebrands being, you know, kind of shows within themselves, um, you see the the Facebook comments and, and you know, the Twitter replies, um, you know, like the, the Trash Pandas is one of the most creative, unique and fun brands in baseball. Well, when they announced it, you know, 80% of the comments on their Facebook post were, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen and this and that, and that's going to happen, right? So what we did, um, we put together a uh, about a two and a half minute video uh, where we had uh, five people from the community narrate different pieces of where this name came from. And during our introductory press conference, we did go through each of those elements. And thankfully, most of the local news stations covered that. So when we did get those, you know, either Facebook messages or emails, um, before I went into a long-winded explanation or tried to defend ourselves, my first line of defense was always, hey, thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you for caring, right? I mean, like that, that, that is an important thing is, hey, people were invested in this. Um, if you have not had a chance to either watch the press conference or watch the introductory video, I ask that you please do, if you have any further questions, please let me know. Mm -hmm. Literally one person of the dozens of those that, that I responded to, one person came back still negative. Everybody else was immediately, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for, for you know, the explanation. Um, the, the other elements of the brand that, that are not necessarily seen in the logo that do create a, a 
more tangible sense of community are a few things that you see at the ballpark. So our smoking sections are the Danville School Field Leafs smoking section. So the, the signs in the smoking section have the old Leafs logo. Um, our new bar area that we built prior to last year is called The Wreck. And there's a giant mural of a steam train that is there. Uh, the bartender, when a beer is ordered, pulls a steam whistle. Um, you know, there, there are railroad crossing signs out there. So that, that you know, homage to the 97 is still active within the ballpark so, so that people have a very visual understanding of, oh, they didn't just ignore my suggestion. They just didn't use it in the brand itself. Mm -hmm. um, the last big one is our mascot. So our mascot is a very cute and cuddly otter. His name is Scotter the Otter, named after Wendell Scott. So Wendell Scott started his racing career as a bootlegger and bootleggers, shine runners, like these were all names that we saw in, in the competition. We have a reading program. We have a great partnership with the school system. Do we really want to be explaining to elementary school students what a shine runner or what a bootlegger is? No, it just wasn't a conversation that we wanted to have every single spring. Um, but <laughs> Having the number 34, which was the, the number of, of Wendell's car, retired on our wall, the only member of the Otterbots organization to ever wear the number 34 will be Scotter. Um, we had his entire family uh, out for the number retiring uh, ceremony. His helmet, his gloves, and his shoes are all exact replicas of the gear that Wendell was, was wearing when he was driving in the 60s and 70s. Um, and even though the jersey is a baseball jersey, when people see, oh, that's Scott or the Otter, oh, that's Wendell Scott as you know, a, a tie into this, this baseball team. Um, once you walk through the gates, there are those visual examples that I think, especially last year, helped alleviate some of those concerns that uh, especially the older and more traditional fan base had. Um, I, I do think that the, the opportunity to kind of start a national conversation about what Danville was, is, and is going to be has been a really cool, you know, kind of offshoot of, of this entire experience over the last year or so. Um, and, and having those, those elements uh, along with the Jesse Jones hot dogs and, uh, and, you know, the, the local beers um, is a really cool thing um, that, that you kind of get to experience, uh, especially if it's your first time in Danville and you're choosing to make an Otterbots game part of that experience. Um, even if you don't know the full story behind the brand you see parts of of where we came up with everything yeah and then paying tribute to those you know those other names or the history i mean i know there was a danville 97s which like you said named after a horrific train accident and it's got this little like toy train logo i mean they only played for one year right but it's like their their logo is does not convey the the horrific nature of that that train uh <laughs> tragedy so this, you know, one of the interesting things about this is that um, this brand was not created by Brandios or Dan Simon or, you know, any of the any other number of, of design firms out there. Can you talk about who created the, the logo itself? Yeah, so uh, one of the uh, coolest parts, I think, about this new Appalachian League is our relationship with Major League Baseball. Um, and as a baseball fan, who grew up watching minor and major league games, um, I didn't even have the understanding of how deep major league baseball goes. Um, so they're, they're web design folks, uh, they're communications folks, they're, they're baseball operations folks. None of these people are the ones working in front offices. None of these people were the ones that were engaged in these negotiations of the, the latest CBA talks. Like they are people just like you or I, who are huge baseball fans who were, were lucky enough to get a start with major league baseball. And we actually used a team of Major League Baseball designers 
to build the the logo. Uh, Sydney Schwartz was the the project lead for us, and she is incredible. Um, I think she got really, really tired of seeing my face and hearing my voice um, <laughs> after the the constant nitpicking and storyboards and and vision boards that we went through to get to where we where we got. Um, but she she did a phenomenal job of of taking everything that that we provided based on on those thematic elements that we wanted to see. Um, and uh, as as my last kind of thank you to to her once we had the final style guide uh, published was hey, I know this was a pain in your butt. I appreciate all the hard work that that you did for us. Um, I promise you that I will not rest until this is the most popular rebrand of, if not the year, the decade. And uh, we sold merchandise to 36 states in the first 12 hours of the brand. So we had, or excuse me, 14 hours of the brand. Uh, we unveiled it at 10 a.m., went live with merchandise at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. By midnight, 36 states had already purchased merchandise. Um, we've now blanketed the country, the UK, Canada, uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, we actually had somebody from Australia who our online ship uh, or shop does not ship to Australia. So we had to take their credit card number over the phone, go to the post office ourselves, send that off to Australia. Nice. Um, so it's it's been awesome. And a uh, huge shout out to Sydney for for all of the work that she did. And um, I do think that that's other, the, the other kind of big visual difference. Um, I, as a baseball fan, as a huge minor league baseball fan with a hat collection that is, you know, kind of approaching 200, am a huge fan of everything Brandios and Studio Simon has done. Um, like I have, I have no bad words to say about either one of those, those, you know, creative teams, but I do think, um, and I, I think that you might've been the first one to, to put it in writing, um, is there is a visual difference, right? There, there are not those same uh, elements or curvatures that you see in some of those other designs. And that does make it stand out amongst a sea of incredible rebrands. Like, again, like I have no qualms with any rebrands that have come out, but ours does stand out when you look at the logos side by side, because it didn't come from that same creative force. It, it came from a lot of hours on Zoom calls and a lot of storyboarding um, and uh, eventually the, the graphic genius of, of Sydney Schwartz and, and her team with Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, the great thing about minor league baseball is there's room for all of that, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of other, there's Fuser Sports, there's Sky Design. Uh, I'm obviously a huge fan of Brandios. Jason Klein is a regular on this podcast. Dan Simon, famously, at least to me, created the logo for this podcast, Baseball by Design. And so, yep. like, I'm obviously huge fans of all the work that all those guys do. But it, it is interesting to see a sort of visual aesthetic that is different. You're, I see you looking up right now, which is, uh, you warned me before we started recording. And just so people know, the, the background noises are, there's construction going on at the stadium. And that's life in minor league baseball, right? Like, it's, you know, it's the world we live in. And so, it's, uh, you know, it's, it is real life here. So I, you know, I guess the last question I'll, I'll get you out of here. I, I always do this. I kept you longer than I than I meant to, but I've just so enjoyed talking to you. We, uh, we could do this for a week straight. Like if 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 we had enough coffee, we we could. Like we could just keep talking. But well, <laughs> the the last question I was going to ask is, are you interested in co-hosting a podcast about minor league baseball logos? Because I'm loving all this, like this background that you have and the the history that you have on these different teams. I mean, we really could just sit here and talk minor league baseball for a long time. I think. We, we really could. And it's kind of the, um, it, it's one of those things like uh, the, the reason that, that I got so many interviews at the winter meetings that I went to as a job seeker after I had an internship and was kind of looking to, to find a full time role was not because I had more experience was not because I was a better candidate. It was because my degree is in religious studies. 
And that led to more questions from anybody. And it gave me an opportunity to at least try to sell myself to these clubs. And when you look at, okay, so what the hell is a guy with a religious studies degree doing working in, in baseball? I grew up at the, the Durham Bulls athletic park, like quite literally grew up there. Every single summer was spent at the ballpark. I then go to the University of Wisconsin, start working as a summer job for the Madison Mallards, get to see, you know, the the crown jewel of collegiate summer, you know, wooden bat league uh, ball. Uh, my my assistant general manager during my internship is now the president of the Savannah Bananas, who are, if they haven't already eclipsed the Mallards, right on their heels in terms of, of you know, the gold standard of, of what we do. Um, being able to start my, my career full-time in Greensboro with, with a such, uh, you know, a well-established uh, organization as the Grasshoppers, being able to be a part of the, you know, kind of flipping and resurgence of the, the Daytona Club, who was for a long time the Islanders, the Cubs. Well, now, now what is a Tortuga and how can we make that, uh, again, kind of this community champion vision? So you put all those things together. I end up in Danville. I have this amazing opportunity in front of me to put this rebrand and, and to build this thing from the ground up. Um, I cannot imagine doing anything else with my life. And I don't know if I will ever use any specific aspects of my degree for the rest of my life, um, with the exception of just having a, a greater understanding of people and the differences between people across space and time. Um, and I think that that does help in creating this sense of community that we try to build at the ballpark every single night. Um, but I am in every sense of the word, a baseball junkie. And whereas as a kid, I was a baseball fan before anything else, I think over the course of my career, the fandom is still there, right? Like I, I, I understand that most people now are going to hate me. I'm a Yankees fan. Like I grew up a huge <laughs> Yankees fan. I, I cannot, like I live and die with the Yankees every single summer. Um, but now having this appreciation and understanding of the business operations and the community side of especially minor league baseball, um, it's an amazing thing. And, um, you know, shout out to, to uh, Bobby Kuhn and, and the Pulling Tarp podcast. Uh, you know, recently he had a, a Twitter spaces celebrating his 100th episode um, and just seeing the amount of people from, the, the club level, the fan level, the media side, um, just coming together and sharing this, this common appreciation for the brands and the, the community and the level of baseball, right? Like, I think that's the, the coolest thing about all of this is you can go spend an average of seven to $8 on a ticket and see as high level of baseball as you could possibly imagine, you know, just because you've got a 22 year old kid who's not a current MLB all-star starting at shortstop, you're having the opportunity to see him before he becomes the face of baseball. Um, and that's what we get to do. So it's, it's, I find myself very lucky. I, I count myself as very fortunate to have been able to kind of fallen into this career. Um, I don't know what else I could possibly do with my life at this point. Um, and, and it does get exhausting to the people close to me to have to hear about this constantly, because <laughs> it, even if it's a, you know, a Tuesday night at 830, well, if, you know, the Beloit Skycarp just, you know, sent out a great tweet with a new merchandise item, I don't care what I was doing beforehand. Now I'm looking into, okay, how can I take that idea and, and you know, uh, you know, manipulate it for, for the Otterbots. So um, I, I, it really, I, I could talk about this stuff forever. I love it. I'm very lucky. I love I'm it. Very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, and trust me, I'm familiar with the phenomenon you describe here because you know my my house is full of baseball things, and I've you can't see it behind me, but I've got the the shelf of 350 unique ice cream helmets. And by the way, are we going to get Otterbots helmet Sundays? 
All I can say is I hope so. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to blame the supply chain for everything. Right. But I will say there are three merchandise items specifically that mm -hmm. were ordered before opening night 2021 yeah. that will not be here until yeah. opening night 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, re regarding your college major and your current career, I majored in French. I work as a graphic designer. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I host a podcast about baseball logos. So you know, I, I get, I get where you're coming from on that. Austin, thank you so much. The Otterbots are, are such a great story and they're so much fun. I'm proud to be the Colorado ambassador. I can't wait to get to a game in Danville and, and do my ceremonial first pitch and, and drink some of those beers that you were talking about. And thank you for taking so much time and, and for your energy and your enthusiasm and, and for this fun brand. It's been, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Paul, not just for, for this, but for all of your support. Um, you, you are, and I think I said this to you when you, when you wrote the write-up on the brand, um, I think that you are doing like vital work to, to be able to tell the behind-the-scenes stories of what all of us throughout the industry are trying to accomplish on a daily basis. So thank you so much for having me, and thank you for everything that you do. Well, I appreciate that. It's a, it's a labor of love, and, and getting to talk to great people like you in the, in the industry has, been, has made it all totally worth it. So thanks for everything, and we'll, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right, everyone, welcome back. I'm very excited to be joined right now. This is a really fun thing for me. I get to speak with two of my fellow ambassadors to the Danville Otterbots. So as we talked about, I am the Colorado ambassador to the Danville Otterbots, and I take that job seriously. And I'm also joined by Otterbot Ambassador of the Year, Tim Stoops from Montana. So our Montana ambassador to the Danville Otterbots and nominee for ambassador of the year so this is like the you know this is like you know like the oscars where if you're nominated it's an honor right it's an nom it's an honor just to be nominated the mississippi ambassador to the danville otterbots is johnny bolin and johnny uh you'll recognize johnny from he is the co-host of the earned fun average podcast where johnny defends the honor of the danville otterbots every week against uh <laughs> against eric prophet who is a wichita wind surge fan those teams would never play each other but but Johnny does represent the Otterbots on the on the Earned Fun Average podcast. Tim oddly does not have a podcast. I didn't realize there were people out there who didn't have podcasts right now. But Tim does not have a podcast right now. But Tim and Johnny, thank you for being here. Oh, yeah, thanks, Paul. Well, so first of all, I'll just ask you, like Tim, I'll, I'll ask you first. What was it about the ambassador program that made you sign up to uh, do free publicity for the Danville Otterbots? just the engagement level, uh, the opportunity to uh, be a part of something that felt like it was a genuine and earnest uh, endeavor of the club. And so as soon as those tweets started coming in with people volunteering that they would be for this state and that state, I, I was like, I have to, I have to do Montana. We need, we need the Autobots in Montana. I'll well, tell you Dan Danville baseball club at that point. Right. Right, right, right. And I believe you made yourself some t-shirts uh, that uh, that had... I made, I made the hat. The, you made a the, hat that right. just said, and it was your sort of mock-up of what you thought the Otterbots hat was going to look like. And, it was uh, just, yeah, first Danville baseball club hat. <laughs> it was just a blue hat with a piece of paper taped to it. <laughs> spectacular, spectacular. And Johnny, you're the Mississippi ambassador. You've done yeoman's work supporting the team. How did you get to be the uh, the Mississippi ambassador? Well, you know, when they 
announced it on Twitter, you know, I, I had to even look up where Danville, what state that was in. You know, I was just totally clueless. And, and I just thought, wow, that's just sort of a neat, unique something that no other team has ever done to send out this call and reach out to say, Hey, would you like to represent us in your state and be called an ambassador? And I just thought it was new and fresh. And like I said, just something different that uh, no one else has done. And of course you've seen other Appy league teams have followed suit. In fact, my podcast partner in crime, Mr. Profit is uh, I think they use the term president ambassador for uh, Kingsport, or as I call them, the relax men. <laughs> you can't beat some but, Appalachian League smack talk here. It's, right, uh, the it's relax men of Kingsport, Tennessee. <laughs> All right. So this podcast obviously is about brands. It's about uh, nicknames. It's about what the, you know, what these, these things mean to their local communities. Uh, so Tim, I'll go back to you. When someone sees your hat there, they, you're wearing your, your powder blue, Otterbots cap with the head logo with the, you know, the robot, the red robot eyes. When someone says to you, Hey, what in the world is a, is an Otterbot? And what does that have to do with Danville? How do you answer? Yeah. So I, I tell them that, you know, it's the Danville Otterbots if they don't know what it is first. And um, I give them the same pitch that, that Austin gave when, when they revealed the logo about how the area is really committed to STEM research and just going gung-ho into that and the prevalence of the otters in the Dan River. So they all kind of just merged together and just came up with this awesome brand and awesome logo. All right. John, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's, it's just fun because, you know, here I live in kind of a minor league baseball vacuum, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and when people see, you know, especially this hat I'm wearing, the the black black one with just the otter face mm-hmm. you know that that is kind of a conversation starter like tim to say like well what team is that you know yeah. what 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 is that and then of course leads to talking about the otter bots and the appalachian league and well so i agree with that right i mean the appalachian league they have <laughs> i would say they, they have well so 10 new logos all 10 of their teams were named for parent clubs all 10 uh, got renamed after the Vogon Destructor Fleet came through and, and uh, reorganized minor league <laughs> baseball. And, and so we got two nationally renowned brands, right? Two, two brands that got a bunch of attention nationally. Correct me if you, if you think my perception on this is wrong. Danville and the Burlington Sock Puppets both got a ton of attention nationally. Yep. And then there were seven teams that have really good, very appropriate, but more conservative logos that didn't quite get the same. They didn't quite make the same splash uh, nationally. And then you had the Pulaski River Turtles. And I love all minor league baseball teams, but this has been sort of an agenda of mine on this on this podcast is to figure out what this turtle is doing. He's sliding into home plate from the backstop. And so, <laughs> so I have questions about the Pulaski River Turtles logo. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the Danville Otterbots, I think, are one of the two most well-known logos in minor league base or, or, or I'm sorry, in the Appalachian league right now. 
And and we three, I mean, like I said, this is we don't have a quorum of the uh, ambassadors right now, but we do have a subcommittee right now. So obviously something about that appealed to us, right? Like something about this robot otter, because robots are normally like all sort of cutesy and fun, right? Like the Evansville otters, right? Like cutesy. This is not a cutesy, this is not a cutesy logo. So I'm curious, what was it that drew you? I mean, and you're both wearing gear right now and you've got the different hats on, right? But what was it that drew you to the, I realize you committed to be ambassadors before you saw the logo, before you even knew what the brand was. And we got to see that sort of in advance of everybody else, but it was well-received nationally. So Johnny, I'll go to you first on this one. What do you think about this brand made it so well-received nationally? So just because it's different and combining, like you said, a cutesy animal with the technology aspects, because nobody, maybe maybe outside of the Rocket City Trash Pandas, sort of same, similar, we're using technology with kind of a cuddly animal. To me, the Appalachian teams passed my litmus test. And we, years ago, working with guys in the insurance company, you know, we talk about sports logos and sports gear all the time. And, and always, always our litmus test pre kind of even internet was if I was to go into a sporting goods store or a hat store and saw that hat, would I want to buy it? Mm -hmm. And Otterbots certainly are that way. There's other teams uh, I think in the league, if you saw out in a store with no point of reference to who that was, would it grab your attention and make you want to grab your wallet and debit card <laughs> and make that purchase? And certainly the Autobot, Autobot gear would be that way for me. If I had no, like I said, no concept and, you know, pre-internet days and never heard of this team and look at it and go, wow, that's a cool looking hat. I like, I like that logo, you know, like, you know, used to do years ago when I started collecting hats, you know, like I said, pre-internet and just fun and cool logos. Tim, how about you? What, what was, was there something in particular about the logo itself that appealed to you? Yeah. Like Johnny said, the combination was really novel. Um, I'm a bit of a sci-fi nerd. And so mm. just the, having it look like it came straight off the pages or the film of a science fiction uh, story. It, it really appeals to me. Um, the little bit of orange in the eyes just mm-hmm. makes it look kind of menacing, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, Yeah. And the colors too. I was so afraid it was going to be um, just a color that I didn't like, but when it was this, it's almost like Marlin's teal, maybe just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But when it went that way, I was just like, okay, this is this is fantastic. <laughs> yep, yep. I'll bet you that they uh, they run out of cyan real quick in the office uh, printer. <laughs> constantly replacing the cyan jet here so uh, um well you guys have done uh you know fantastic work representing the, the otterbots out there and i know that you know i mean i've had a blast with being being an ambassador i don't know how much travel i'm going to be able to squeeze in i got a lot of trips i'm trying to squeeze in this summer but i know that the otterbots are having their ambassador day on my birthday uh on august 6th this year and so i'm i I would love to be able to make it to that. I don't know if it's going to be able to happen. Johnny, one of the reasons for that, I'm sorry to say, is that I'm also trying to make it to the Appalachian League All-Star Game in Burlington. So there's some, you know, there's some question marks there. There's a there's a package that the team offers 
to the ambassadors and Tim took advantage of it, went to Danville. So Tim, could you tell us about, uh, tell us about your day as an ambassador in person at an Autobots game? Yeah, it was fantastic. I went last year, um, went to a Saturday and a Sunday game um, throughout the first pitch on Saturday. It was a strike. So my first pitch count is now one and one. I'm even nice. Um, nice. And uh, uh, I was, I would tell people afterwards that what really made the, the trip just fantastic for me was that Austin really caught lightning in a bottle with that crew that he had from, you know, game day operations to front office staff, just every single person in there was just just so nice and just so welcoming. I still talk to a lot of them, either on like Instagram DMs or texts. Um, just it was just a fantastic experience. And um, Austin was also just so hospitable. I loved going around Danville and seeing the different businesses there and um, you know, just getting that experience. And I'm excited to go back and very, very hopeful that I can get back there for this ambassador night. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a really fun team. I love how a, a collegiate summer level team made such a splash and has become this sort of national sensation. Two teams in the Appalachian League. Proof that there's no better thing for a baseball team to do than to get a unique nickname for its, uh, its, its, its local community. Tim, I know that you're on Twitter at timmer82 that's t-i-m-m-e-r johnny is at johnny m-i-l-b fan and also you got to go listen to the earned fun average podcast it's a great podcast i you guys make me laugh every single time i gave it a 2.5 star rating at johnny's direction <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we you know it, it's uh it's it's a blast and, and i appreciate you saying that you know eric and i have you know, just such a, a fun time. You're, you're talking about two guys that, that we've, of course, never met in person, but mm-hmm. just from different parts of the country. Uh, you know, lately it's been giving me a hard time not supporting Wichita. Um, he's going to bankrupt you with case. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I'm uh, now two hats in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the podcast is at Earned Fun avg for average earned fund average and would definitely encourage everyone to go go check that out as we record this you guys are are pushing to get 100 followers i'm sure by the time this drops you'll be well past that i just think everyone should go check it out so and tim where you said you uh contribute to a podcast as well that's not about minor league baseball but maybe you can give that a shout no this is a total tangent um it's a soccer podcast called the unnamed soccer podcast and it's my, two of my friends down in San Diego, and I record about a minute long every week uh, about the German soccer league and what's going on over there because my favorite team plays over there. So I just give them a little snippet and they put it into their podcast. Okay, fantastic. Well, gentlemen, I suggest that we end the podcast by singing the Otterbots team song together. Ready? One, two. I'm just kidding. There is no team song. <laughs> Thank you both for joining me. Go Otterbots. It's a pleasure to talk to you both. We'll, we'll hopefully catch up in person tim and i have already met in person in a missoula paddleheads game that was fantastic johnny you and i have exchanged a lot of stuff by mail i hope to meet you in person (laughs) one day (laughs) that would be that would be it would be an honor i would i'd love to meet and and hopefully uh meet up at a ballpark that would be uh, that would be uh, fantastic ice cream helmets are on me when that happens (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys thanks a lot paul thank you 